What's up, y'all? It's Steve Ewing here, and I'm hanging out on the Blues Hockey Podcast. Back to the Blues Hockey Podcast, your host Jason, along with Chris. Yo, all right. So, Blues finally got their season started. We're a little behind, obviously. We had a lot of stuff going on. So, me and Chris have had a lot of like, I say, life events going on in the last like week and you a half. Can say that. So, obviously, mine I guess can consider minor. So, obviously, um, I wouldn't call them minor. Minor, but it's you know compared to I think yours, we uh. So yeah, obviously we lost one of our dogs unexpectedly about six weeks ago. So it's uh, of course we had to get another one. So we got another dog this week, and so uh, another one joined the family. So we between that and just like work, so it's been a it's been a fun stuff. Have you figured out what kind of dog it is? It is a terrier something 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 something, and it's all right. Cool. Uh, it's it's a cute dog. That's about that about it. So, but yeah, no, but he's it's actually the dog's actually really good. It's just obviously just like a baby. It gets up numerous times during the night. Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. So between the two, it's been uh, like oh, go to bed at nine nine thirty. Oh, you're up at midnight and two thirty and five and at five o'clock you're up and want mm-hmm. the new stuff. So yeah, so that's been fun. So like um. Yeah, we had that, but we also had our big thing at uh, we had a Rockstar Taco at uh, yep. Gaslight. We had fun there. So thanks to everybody who came out to that. Uh, thanks for Will for hosting us and uh, providing some awesome food and stuff. So once again, uh, yeah, check out the Gaslight at four nine one six Shaw Avenue. So uh, they're having their big big opening in a couple of weeks here, in which we'll check out our socials for all that info. Uh, and Chris, his big news is uh, Chris finally only has one house now. It's true. It is true. Chris was buying all the houses out in the uh, St. Charles O'Fallon area. So (laughs) I had a bunch of them under contract for a while, but thankfully I'm down to one and I close Thursday and then the fun starts of moving all my crap into it. Yeah. But it's always fun stuff to, you know, get your your place and stuff and get all make it the way you want. So it'll be good stuff. So yeah, a couple of big thoughts here, but of course the main thing is the blues season has started and uh, start off with a bang to say the least uh, phrasing on top of that. Yes. And the blues uh, unprecedented start, which let's be honest, we didn't really see coming because they're facing some pretty good teams to start. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> let's get started. All the games first, a little bit of blues news, some downer. We had like really great news and then a downer today. And then some big news from the NHL uh, concerning the Chicago Blackhawks and the uh, cover-up of sexual abuse back in 2010. So uh, it seems like there's more and more uh, stuff keep coming out. And actually, they just one of the players kind of – the report that was out there, the player kind of got outed, and people were able to figure oh, out who it he? was. So he decided to come out. Okay. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Beach, which that was a, that's a name I recognize. I remember from, you know, facing them. I- I kind of remember it. Yeah. So he was kind of like a, he was definitely a guy who just like, I remember having maybe a cup of coffee with the Bullhawks and maybe a couple of teams around the league, but 
sure. um, playing overseas right now in a German league. So uh, obviously he was, uh, you know, not outed. I don't think obviously on purpose by this uh, consulting firm, but you know, everybody was able to easily figure it out uh, what would happen. So anyway, we'll get into the long details of that, but let's focus on the blues first. So uh, not much blues news per se, uh, just obviously besides the blues games. So pretty much we're just going blues games. And the news is after all the games. So we'll do, we'll try to do all the positive stuff and the negative at the Blues at the very end, unfortunately. Um, Blues start off on the road. Three games on the road before they have come home to the big home opener. So they start off against some – I think two out of three games we figured are going to be pretty difficult games. Yes. Colorado and Vegas. So obviously on the road, you're opening in Colorado. So Blues start off in Colorado and, uh, you know, Let's be honest. You didn't think you would. This would be a tough game, no matter what. But it kind of helped that uh, Gabriel Landeskog decided to be an idiot, and you know the hit that he put on Kirby Doc basically got him suspended for a couple games. Yep. Um, and then on top of that, uh, excuse me, uh, Nathan McKinnon got to, was positive for COVID. He was asymptomatic, nothing, you know, no symptoms or anything. Which obviously the Blues found out uh, a little bit more about that stuff coming up. So Blues are basically Colorado's out the two of their top players to say the least. So oh, yeah. So that kind of obviously puts a little damper on things. I this, mean, but look, they're, they're still a dangerous team. You're still a, a team that's got Rattanen and uh, you know Kale McCarr and things like that. But like you said, two huge weapons. One are being arguably the best player in the league. Um, so it's. It's one of those games that, as as we said between you and I, and I know Kerber said it, and I know that they said it on the broadcast, is, you know, you have to play the games that are given you. And when you play a team like this, who's a very good team, without all of their weapons, those are points that are there for the taking, and you have to take advantage of that. Yeah, and the Blues are able to do that. And let's be honest, played pretty well the whole way through this game. And Jordan Bennington... Uh, looking like Jordan Benson, obviously the playoffs, the playoff stats do not show really how well he played I agree. against Colorado last year. It went for him. Those games, mind you, they were, weren't great scores, but they would have been a lot worse without Jordan Bennington. For sure. Um, but to say the least. So Jordan Benson, the save on uh, Miko Rantanen when he went on the power play, when he went to his right to left and got it with his glove. Uh, would uh, Rantanen was stunned that he got there. So it was nice to see uh, Bennington rounding back on the farm. Uh, the Blues take this game five to three. So we'll go over the scoring real quick. The Blues uh, start off really well. And I'll be honest, I unfortunately missed the beginning of this game because uh, I did not schedule my family activities properly around the Blues like I normally do. Uh, so I was at Grant's farm for listening to, to the first two periods of this. Uh, so Justin Falk gets a goal four minutes in from Cairo and Bozak. So nice to see Justin Falk continuing to play well after obviously the first season we talked about how shaky he was and maybe mm-hmm. just not fitting into the role that was there for him. But I kind of becoming the not the guy because that's Colton Pareko, I think is what they're trying for. If you or my, what do you think? I think I think the, the I think Armstrong was Pareko to be kind of like the quote unquote Petrangelo replacement. And Falk is kind of able to slide in kind of behind him to just play his game. You know, honestly, I think that they're, they're both going to be Petro in a way. I think that um, you look at a player like Colton Pareko and he's got 
um, maybe a little more offensive talent to his game at times. But I- I'm telling you, I-, I watched Justin Falk last season and the first few games of this season. And I'm not saying that he is apples to apples, the same player on par with Alex Petrangelo. But boy, he's he's there. Like, this is the player that we thought we were getting from Carolina. And you just kind of wonder if maybe we had two guys on the team at the same time who had that same role. And, uh, sorry, and Falk didn't know how to adjust in that first season because he sure does seem to have the knack of stepping in offensively at the right time and holding the point and, and quarterbacking a power play just like Petro did. And uh, you know what, whoever they decide is going to be the quote unquote next Petrangelo, be it Justin Falk or Colton Pareko. I'm happy with how both are playing right now. Yeah. Cause I think it seems like Falk has kind of gotten the, more offensive. I mean, I'm not saying his defense is bad, but the more offensive side of what Petrangelo did. Yes. And Preco has been focusing more on the defensive side. So it's kind of yes. like Preco and Scandella are like the quote unquote shutdown pair. Like they're the type of guys that go against the top guys, help shut them down. Falcon Kruger there. And while they still pretty good on defense, they have a little bit more ability to rush the puck a little bit better and to better be better breakout defensemen compared to. You know, definitely better than Scandella, but Brayton and Preco right. as well. So kind of nice to have those options back there uh, and have the defense fully healthy this year. So Falk gets his first, obviously, the first Blues goal of the year. Uh, Brayden Shen gets his first of the year next from Kairou and Bushnevitz in the second and period at the, about the eight-and-a-half-minute mark. Uh, so I'll be honest, most of these we're just going to go through fast in the early part games, and we'll talk a little bit more as we get closer to the games that just kind of happened. So, Perron, the third period is where it gets kind of crazy. So, Perron obviously gets the next goal in the third, in the second period, make it 3 nothing. The Blues look great, and you're kind of like, wow, it's nice to watch a game and not kind of, like, be puckered up the whole time, mm-hmm. having a one- or two-goal lead. Uh, unfortunately, uh, off a little rush, Barakowski gets his first from Kadri and Gerard. Um, speaking of Kadri, which I think was really um, interesting, his first shift, and obviously Braden Shen's first shift, Shen jumped on the ice and went immediately after Kadri. And, As he should. And Kadri knew it was coming. He dropped his gloves. They had a nice little fight. Uh, Falk, I mean, there's a really great picture, uh, if you look on the Blues website, of – the fight going on in the way the camera sh- or way this photo shot, Justin Falk is in the background, perfectly standing up, like watching the fight. So it's really kind of a cool picture to see, like, you know, obviously Shen being a really good teammate. And we talked about this before. If it wasn't Ryan O'Reilly, Braden Shen probably would have been the captain of this team more than likely. I would think. Yep. And it was pretty great. So three to one going into the third. And this is where yeah, all hell kind of breaks loose. So Perron gets his second for Barbashev on the power play. Everything's looking great about the seven-minute mark. And the Blues playing really well the whole way. Five on five, they pretty much kept Colorado at bay. I mean, there's that one rush of Barakowski score. It's kind of a kind of a broken play. But uh, they pulled the goalie with about four or five minutes left. And that's when things kind of got crazy. So Tyson Jost gets a goal. 
uh, making it four to two at the 1430 mark. And then about the 1618 mark, JT Comfort gets his first. And you're like, oh, crap. And about a minute after that, uh, we thought it was a tie game. Yes, we did. Because Tyson Jones gets another goal. He was in the crease. And it was called the goal. Um, luckily, there is a very good camera angle that I believe this game was on TNT, correct? Was this on Bally's or TNT? This was Bally's. This was Bally's. So Bally's had the really good camera angle from the other side, which no, which I think, yeah, because Pang was doing this one. And you couldn't see it. And they both, and both, uh, Ken, uh, I was going to say, I was like Ken Wilson there. Um, why am I drawing a blank anyway? It's late for us. Sorry. But, uh, <laughs> But Pang, you know, obviously thought it might be a kicking motion. Uh, John Kelly was pretty sure it was a goal. And luckily the other goal, other shot saw an obvious kicking motion because uh, the Blues immediately started yelling at the ref that it was kicked in and kicked in and it was waved off. Luckily, plays restarted and a couple of close chances, but Ryan Riley gets the empty net goal from Scandella at the 1940 mark. And the Blues take the opening game on the road five to three. So pretty good win to start the season, I think. Look, I'd say any win against Colorado is a good win. Um, what I liked about this game and what has held uh, through these first five games that we're going to talk about is the pace of play, which the St. Louis Blues pay, uh, played with. It, it was not a slow down, grind out a win type of game. Like they pushed the tempo and they have pushed the tempo in all five of these games, which is very un-St. Louis Blues hockey. They are very much a slow it down, beat you into the ground and score a goal when it presents itself type of team historically. Um, but so far this year, and again, we're only five games in, this team runs, and this team runs fast. Uh, and they're, they're working off of turnovers. They're capitalizing off of uh, mistakes the opponents make, uh, and they're deep. They're really, really deep. Um, you can't just focus on one line or one guy. And that's, that's, that's good evidence. hockey. And that's evidence like every game. And that's what we're going to yeah. kind of, you'll see every game. So I think the first game was definitely, you know, I think Perron had two goals, obviously, but I think every line kind of rolled really, really well. Even the fourth line, uh, we talk about uh, Jake neighbors played really, really well um, in yes. his first NHL game. So this game, the only change that was made is uh, Clem Costin comes in for James Neal, which was a little, it was an interesting move, but um Maybe just want a little bit more speed on the get facing the Coyotes. Uh, St. Louis and Clayton Keller starts off this second on the power play about the five minute mark, one nothing. Uh, then quickly after that, a two on one, nice pass by uh, Kyra to uh, Peva Bushnevitz, who gets his first of the year. Uh, so mm -hmm. it gets a goal. So what is this kind of? What is this play called? So obviously, it's called a Gordy Howe hat trick when you have a assist, a goal, and a fight. So you have if you have a goal and a headbutt in a game misconduct. What are we going to call that? Is that, a, is that called the Bushnevitz? Uh, I yeah, I would like, or the the Dusty Roads, one of the two. Like it's 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 something pro wrestling style because you know you can't really use your head in a uh, weapon type manner in many sports, yeah, uh, so, especially not hockey. So the play that happened early in the first play happened in the first is Andrew Ladd had a hit that kind of upended Pal Bushnevitz and he wasn't really happy about it. So the next period comes up and Bushnevitz kind of goes after Lawson Krauss, who is in the middle of like 
just after the, you know, this happened and it, and so Kraus is kind of getting into Bushnevitz's face and Bushnevitz was kind of tied up with his hands at the time. So instead of kind of like waiting till he got a chance to like maybe push him back or do something, he decides to do kind of a jumping headbutt into uh, Krause's face to give him a, a definitely a cut on his nose. Yep. And the ref, and that's how you can't do that, kids. Just to let you know, uh, that is uh, definitely illegal. And Bushnevitz is kicked out of the game, gets a five minute major, game misconduct, and immediately uh, Arizona goes on a power play. So Costin is in serving this. And just as the penalty expires, Lawson Krause gets the goal. So he basically, you know, burns the blues for been drawing the penalty. And <clears throat> obviously that kind of spurned the blues into this crazy run. So this game is also one of the, all these games are also very late games too. Yes. So we had a lot of late games here. So here's the quick, how this happened in the next four, about four-ish minutes. You have Justin Falk with his second goal from Kairou and Bozak. Kairou unassisted after the, a very bad pass by one of the Arizona defensemen, basically to ride on this uh, tape. And uh, old friend Carter Hutton, oh man, ouch, did not look great this game. So quickly after that, Clem Costin gets his first a year from Robert Thomas, a nice pay behind the net to Costin. To, and Justin Falk with the assist. Clem Costin, another one off another great play by Jake Neighbors behind the net. A steal and gets it right from the Costin who buries it. Bortuzzo also gets the secondary assist there. And then Jordan Cairo on a highlight real goal, to say the least. Uh, his second of the game from O'Reilly and Wallman. Um, he basically toe dragged and deked, what, three Coyotes? Yes. And then beat Carter Hutton and uh, not great. So basically in, from the time period of the 11 minute mark, 11, 10 to 16, 17. So about five minutes, the blue score uh, five, goals. five goals. So the blow, the wide open to the six to two lead uh, kind of what they had in the past. They did the same thing again. They took their, you know, obviously six to two is, you know, pretty good score. So they took their foot off the pedal Kristen Fisher with a goal. Uh, Boyd gets another goal. But Barbashev comes in and gets a goal, make it seven to four. And the good guys win another one. So, and also, Bennington didn't need to be fantastic this game, but he was solid at least. He did what he was asked to do. And then this game where he was great. So, the Blues have not been scoring the first goal. All this whole road trip did not score the first, excuse me, the first game they scored the first goal, then the next two they didn't. So William Carlson gets his first from Riley Smith and Martinez. And this is the TNT night. So this is the first kind of blues exposure on TNT. So against the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, And before we get into the game a little bit, how great is the TNT broadcast? It's really good. It's really, really good. They put together a phenomenal group to be the, uh, the desk panel between periods. And it's, uh, it's very, very entertaining to watch. Yeah, one of the notes I have down here is that I saw online a lot of people were mad because every time Gretzky tried to give us the Blues props, he kept getting cut off by uh, Liam McHugh to go to like the next subject. So everybody was like, don't let him talk about the Blues, of course. Talk about Vegas all you want. You know what? I didn't get that vibe. <laughs> I didn't get that. I, 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 I didn't, didn't either. that at all. But like, I, I saw I, a couple people say that online and it was more than one person saying it. Well, so that's why I was like. I think that's just uh, the like sometimes fans were looking for like that one thing for us to get You're upset. You're never you know? happy. Yeah, local fans are never happy with national coverage because national coverage has to be balanced. They can't be like Bally's where you've got Federico and 
whoever else. And Dan McLaughlin talk, this year. Yeah. yeah. Who just talked about the Blues for 20 minutes. They've got to give equal time to both sides. They've got to talk about other games around the league. So, of course, when that happens, oh, well, they just don't want, they don't, they don't, they don't like the Blues. No, man. It's a national coverage game. I thought, if anything, I was surprised how much pro blues they were. Because keep in mind, from the time they've come into the league, Vegas has been the darling of the NHL because of how good they started. Uh And I really thought that after that first period, even though St. Louis pushed the tempo, they were down on the scoreboard that it was going to be, oh, Vegas, Vegas this, Vegas that. And Gretzky was the first one to come out and say, you know, they're not winning the game, but they're beating Vegas all over the ice. And, you know, everyone seemed to agree. So I thought that it was a very surprisingly pro-St. Louis discussion that happened uh, on the TNT broadcast. Yeah, and obviously Gretzky moved back to St. Louis. He lives in, like, actually not just part-time resides. He's fully, yeah. like, a, lives in St. Louis now. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to see. So, I like, I love that, you know, Paul Bissonnette, who's, you know, whoever wants, like, he's at the side notes, people really love the Spit and Chicklets podcast, so they really don't like it. I'll be honest, I just don't have time to listen to it. So I just, I've heard different things. I'm missing that's the one that you, I like out of that group. So, uh, but he's always really good. I think they have a really good panel going. They do it right. Like I'm not a basketball guy, but they do really well with the NBA one. They have like, you know, Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, all those guys. So they do a really good job of finding the right guys. So anyway, the second period rolls around and another blue gets his first goal of the season so brandon saw gets his first off from piran o'reilly kind of a rebound play and they beat and he goes top shelf he just jumped on the ice and goes top shelf on uh robin linair so um really really great back and forth game i'll say that phenomenal game i mean definitely like you talked about and we won't get because it will you can say about every game compared to last year where the team seemed very slow and plotting and they just were kind of like to seem like they're skating in mud a lot of times mm-hmm. they came out and were always pushing it and going, you know, moving a lot, moving faster. And it's like not even a different team. The up-tempo play has been a welcome sight for yes. blues fans. Oh yes. And for one thing, welcome sight blues fans, Vladimir Tarasenko playing well and mm-hmm. credit to Balbus, Paul Bissonnette for calling this. Cause they asked who is yep. going to score the different difference maker goal. Um, all of them did pick St. Louis, which I thought was interesting. I was going to bring that up. I was going to wait until we talked about the second period. But again, the TNT desk, nobody picked uh, Vegas to win this game after two. I think three of the people picked Perron to score, including mm-hmm. Gretzky. And Bissonette said, "It's Ter- Valimir Tarasenko is going to score this goal. Yeah, Tarasenko looked great this game. And this is, uh, and not saying it looked great the first two games. I think he, I think he was doing a lot of... Um, playing on both ends of the ice in the Colorado game. Uh, I thought he was okay in the Arizona game. Just, I yeah. think a lot of people stepped up. So I think just, it was, I just didn't notice him, but that's not a bad thing. Um, but this game, he was all over the ice and taking shots and yes. he just knew it was kind of coming. Like he felt like the momentum coming and this play started off with Braden Shen behind the net hits Petrangelo as the, as the puck scheme broken out of the zone. Um, as after he hits Petrangelo, Petrangelo grabs uh, Shen's stick and throws it. And Shen has to go grab it. 
and come back. And that wound up costing for Trangelo because Trangelo gets caught up at center ice, throws the puck to the middle of the ice, and no one's there. It's picked up very quickly, moved along, and a quick uh, play. Hushen, who just gets back on side, Shen, Kairou, and Tarasenko have basically a three on O, and Tarasenko gets his first of the year from Kairou and Shen. Um, Petrangelo is pissed. I'm kind of, I really want to know what Shen said to Petrangelo because that's just not like Petrangelo to go after him. So I think, uh, and Tarasenko obviously jumped in real quick and grabbed Petrangelo. So two to one blues, and Barbashev finishes it off from Thomas and Preko for the empty net goal. So the Blues sweep their beginning road trip, 3-0. and oh. So not bad going into your home opener against the Kings. Jason, realistically, looking at the schedule and seeing that this team started with three on the road, two of them against Colorado and Vegas, what did you think the Blues record would be coming home for the home opener? I said if they can go 1-1-1, one, one, and one, they'd be happy. I think they'd be good. I think that was like you basically you basically win in Arizona because I just Arizona as much as we've had trouble with them in the past, they've stripped their team down so bad you should beat yeah. them. Um, I figured you lose one against either Vegas or obviously Vegas was missing guys too. Vegas was missing Patrick and Stone. So and then obviously the Martinez got hurt during the game. So I mean, yeah, they're hurt. They're missing guys too. But the yeah. point of the matter is. They're still a good team. Any team can beat any team any night. I thought one, one, and one would have been a solid after this road trip, and they wound up going three and zero. Yeah i I was hoping for a one, one, and one. I really thought we were going to be coming home at best one and two. Um, you know, part of that was due to the unknown of what this team was going to look like on the ice. Um, part of it due to the fact that Colorado and Vegas are damn good teams. Um. So I think that it is really worth taking a minute and looking at the fact that this is a St. Louis Blues team that was a giant question mark all through the summer. And this is a team now that starts the season with a win in Colorado and in Vegas, not home wins against them, on the road wins. That is huge those are four massive points and not taking anything against away from the arizona win but like you said arizona is an nhl team in name only at this point um vegas and colorado dude those are quality wins and those are the type of wins in october that you look back on in in march and april and go thank god we have those points Mm -hmm. that's exactly what i was going to say it's nice to Pile these up because in case you're missing players later on and you're not at full strength, you can yeah. have those points to kind of lay back on, which Blues might find out in the next 10 days. So they obviously get to go home against the, the – they basically pair, play a pair of games against the Kings. There we go. It's obviously their – NHL is still kind of trying to do the – every once in a while do the scheduling where the team sticks around for a couple of games just because of traveling, obviously West Coast games and whatnot. So Blues start off. With much pop and circumstance, obviously, uh, the Blues do all the introductions and stuff. Uh, Tara Single gets a nice uh, round of applause for everybody, which I didn't didn't think there'd be anything bad about that, but it was very loud. Uh, so first starts off the Blues, once again, don't score first. So Alex Iafalo gets the first. Uh, kind of a turnover in the Blues, and he just kind of turns around, takes a shot in the slot, and beats Bennington short side to make it one nothing about the 11-minute mark. But 
luckily the Blues get a power play a little bit later on, and David Perron uh, is continuing his play, this incredible play at a later stage of his career. So his third of the year from Krug and Tarasenko on the power play. Uh, the next one is Blues take a penalty, and Ivan Barbashev picks up the puck off an errant pass, and a nice little backhand beats Cal Peterson for the shorthanded goal at the 1847 mark. So the Blues get the lead late in the first period. Mm-hmm. So, and then this is where things get fun for the Blues. So Blues uh, get a deflection goal from David Perron after a shot from Tory Krug, and Clem Costin gets his first assist as well, about the minute mark. Of the second, Jake Neighbors off a great play by Braden Shen. The Blues kept this puck in the zone for almost 40, I think 48 seconds is what it said. That's incredible. And Shen just was cycling it. Uh, there's a quick change. Neighbors hops on the ice and it was not picked up. And he gets his first NHL goal. So pretty cool for being 19 years old and getting his first NHL goal from Shen, who he's living with right now, too, on top of that. So basically, he gets his roommate gets him his first uh goal and also Kyle Clifford is in this game because obviously Bushnevitz is serving the second game of his two game suspension for headbutting. So he got a, he got, he got the repeat offender uh, status there from a cross check from last season. So uh, he gets two games instead of, I thought hoping for one, but he got two. So, all right. so O'Reilly gets the uh, really guys passing play between Shen and Pirano O'Reilly. O'Reilly gets a nice pass from Shen in the slot for his second from I see it said Shen and Perron power play about halfway through the second to five to one looking great for the blues. Uh, James Neal's back in James Neal, the, the real deal Neal uh, six to one, this little tipping goal off a nice pass from Robert Thomas to Neal. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the blues once again, did this thing where they decided to take it off the, their foot off the gas a six to one lead. I get it. It's easy to do. Dustin Brown gets a goal at one thirty three. Uh, Carl Grundstrom gets a goal about the six minute mark. Um, and then Barube lays into the team and just says, like, there's still enough time. I couldn't read his lips all the way, but it's basically saying there's a lot of time left mm-hmm. and a lot of F words after that, basically, from what I could tell. So, He's not wrong. Yeah, so and that's correct. And then quick, well, about six minutes after that, David Prong caps off the hat trick, his fifth of the year from Tarasenko and Krug. So Krug up to four assists already on the year and Tarasenko with his third. So Prong, Krug, and Neighbors are your three stars. Great night for the Blues. Um, once again, another person contributing. So tonight you can say Perron was the difference maker there. I think Shen played really well with a lot of assists there. So go ahead. I agree. Okay. Last game, the go-over. So game that me and you got to attend. Mm-hmm. So uh, once again, playing the Kings. So uh, we and you were at least a little disappointed that uh, we didn't want to see Bennington and Nets. So uh, Billy Huso gets his first start of the season. Me and you made the joke. Was the joke we made? Just get through the first three shots, and we're okay. Yeah, and uh, technically correct. Probably one of the. I mean, you can say last year, the last game of the year was really well for him, but might be his best game as a pro, honestly, or one of at least one of the first like one or two, maybe three top three games he's had. He played so well in the first, basically the whole game, but the first two periods when the Blues Blues dominated the first period. Plain and simple. The Blues had 10 shots before they, uh, excuse me, the Kings even won. Yeah. And they just dominated. Jonathan Quick's in this game, and Quick played really well to hold them in. So it was definitely a goalie battle the first two periods. The second period, obviously, was more the Kings, and they kind of tilted the ice a little bit. Um, 
I just want to talk about one thing that happened during the second period. So Brube made an adjustment and me and you always kind of gave Brube crap throughout the last couple of years of him not really doing that, just sticking with the same formula and going with it. And hopefully it'll happen and see what happens. And no, it just didn't really work out. And then this year he stopped. He basically shortened his bench down to three lines, told the two young kids, Costin and neighbors basically sat on the bench. Only had, uh, two shifts in the three shifts combined between the two in the second and third period. So Costin had a couple penalties too, which didn't really help his cause. I think nothing against neighbors. I think they just wanted the veterans out there. And that's when you saw things start getting going in the third period. And that's when this happened. So Vladimir Tarasenko, another mm-hmm. highlight real goal. So mm-hmm. me and you, we were at the other end of the ice and you kind of see it develop. And it was, I still think the Rangers goal is my favorite for sure, but it's up there with the Kyle Quincy goal when his, in his first game of the, uh, as a NHLer where he walked Kyle Quincy again, when he was on the Red Wings, it's pretty darn close to that. Cause he basically walked two, almost three guys and beat Jonathan quick top shelf. To me, it is a quintessential Vladimir Tarasenko goal. He drops his shoulder. He gets around the one defender keeping him on his shoulder, keeping him, his body between the puck and the defenseman, and then waits out and flips the, the puck high over quick. It's it's the goal that we've seen Tarasenko score a million times coming down that right wing, where he just ducks the shoulder, gets on the inside of the defender, and rides him straight to the goal. Yeah, and, um, and it's not really much you can say there. It was just a great goal overall. And the Blues – didn't lay back, but also had some little sketchy moments. And Billy Huso played tremendously as a power play against and then a power play for. But then the Blues were able to have a breakout play where Vladimir Tarasenko gets the breakaway, his second breakaway of the game, mind you, uh, and just goes along the ice and scores against Jonathan Quick to make it two to nothing. And then luckily the Blues quickly make it three nothing after they pull the goalie. So there's really no drama at the end there. So no. Pran, so Prime was able to get that from O'Reilly and Scandella. So Barbashev is doing really, really well on that third line left winger right now. The Thomas Tarasenko Barbashev line is working out very well for a quote unquote third line. It's going to get more action now. Uh, so Huso obviously gets the shutout. So he has a shutout streak. So you remember yes. he, had, he had the shutout at the last regular season game last year and a yep. shutout this season. So yep, it's pretty cool for him to have a, little shutout streak and he played really well. So Tarasenko after the game, it's much talked about. Uh, the fans were chanting Vladdy, Vladdy, Vladdy. Um, he was very, you know, like obviously you can tell he was, you know, very, you know, taken aback by that and very happy and obviously very focused uh, on the win, mostly in the, in the saying it's a team game, not just a one person game, which is nice to hear, but supposedly this doesn't change anything. He is still wanting out. He still, you know, it's, it sucks to see. But like you talked about in the offseason, go out and play your ass off, mm-hmm. and then teams are going to start calling on you. You better believe simple. it. You better believe it. So the question is, I think, unfortunately, now with this thing that happened next, I think that trade might get held off a little bit, obviously, depending on the return. You, If somebody right. – and this is not going to – mind you, this is not going to happen. Let's say Edmonton calls and said, hey, we'll give you Leon Dreisaitl for Tarasenko. Sure. Yeah, the Blues are going to say, oh, hell yeah, or, or if there's an obvious trade to make, they're not just going to make a trade just because he wants it now and he's doing well. I think 
more teams are going to call and I think the offers are going to get better to say the least, but yes, but the trade uh, has not been rescinded the next day that was reported by numerous people. Unfortunately, you know, so unfortunately uh, that's still the case. Who knows as the season goes on, that could change. So we'll see um, the bad news. Now we'll start off five and oh, the team record of five wins to start the year. That's never happened before. So that's really awesome to see. Blues fans are riding high. And the next day we find out Ryan O'Reilly is on the uh, COVID list. Yep. So Brandon Saad was on it for this game. So unfortunately he was uh, he was unavailable. And according to what I was read today, he should be back soon. So Saad was out uh, last game. So he didn't get to make it. Um, you know, so obviously the Blues are shorthanded. They had their own shorthandedness the whole time. We talked about how Vegas was shorthanded. But remember, the Blues lost Sod and Bushnevitz for the home opener, technically. Right, right. You know, so they didn't have those guys. And then now they don't, Sod is out, but now O'Reilly's out. O'Reilly is out for 10 days. If you look at the NHL rules about COVID, the only way you can be out for 10 days is if you test positive and are showing symptoms. So he must have some kind of symptom of COVID that caused uh, him to be away from the team for 10 days. Uh, Saad, it sounds like he was asymptomatic at best um, because he can be back any day now, which means it's two consecutive tests uh, that 24 hours apart. If their laws are negative, you can come back to the team. So both O'Reilly and uh, Saad are vaccinated. So obviously that it happens. So the Blues will have to make do without uh, Ryan O'Reilly for 10 days. Now he'll miss about a total of five games. Ugh. So uh, which stinks. So it does. But again, as we've talked about early on in this season, this is a team that has a next man up mentality. There's no superstar. Now to that degree of the starters we have, O'Reilly is pretty up high, pretty high up there in the pecking order. So it's not like you can just plug anyone in, but what we're going to need is for people to shift up for Robert Thomas to shift up for David Perron to shift up, you know, for all of these guys to jump one line where needed and backfill from there. Um, they can do it. You know, they hundred percent can do it. As we've seen these first five games, this isn't a one or two man show offensively. Everybody's kicking in everybody. So, you know, you, you put one guy in, it looks like Dakota Joshua is getting the call up to fill in for uh, uh, O'Reilly. So you plug him in where he fits, and let's go. Yep. So Joshua is all the guy that we liked in the offseason, too, we thought would be on his team. But obviously with the depth that happened, uh, you know, so it's good to have some the guys like that can fill on a fourth line, and you have guys who are on the fourth line and come up. Uh, Sunquist is working his way back, hopefully back soon. Uh, but he's still – he's at least skating, so that's a good thing. So he'll, uh, O'Reilly missed total four games. He'll miss the, the Colorado and Chicago game to wrap up the homestand. And then he'll fa- he'll miss the Kings and San Jose uh, in the first week of November, so he'll be eligible to come back if they consider that. Let's see, they consider that Tuesday, the day that he went on COVID. Yep. So if they consider that, it should be Friday, November fifth. He should be eligible to come back, which that means he could fly out to Anaheim and make the Anaheim game Sunday the seventh. Um, if that's the way things are calculated. Either way, I think he should be eligible for the Anaheim game. I don't know why they would hold him out for two more games just till they get home, but I agree. It makes sense when they come back. So, obviously, that's the bad news there. The Blues play Colorado again, who will have McKinnon and So That'll be an interesting game. Uh, Chicago, which we're going to talk about them in a second here. 
uh, and then the other two games. So, uh, so big NHL news today. And unfortunately, like we like to have fun on the show, but I think this is very this is definitely a huge story and a very serious subject to say the least. Mm-hmm. So to get into there's a there's a lot of layers to the story as well, and we'll try I'll try to do my best to find everything. So in 2010, there was a video coach uh, named uh, Brad Aldrich or Brian Aldrich, excuse me. Um, that was the video coach for the Chicago Blackhawks. The Chicago Blackhawks were in the middle of their cup run in San Jose for the conference finals. Um, and supposedly some inappropriate things happened to say the least. He basically, uh, one of the guys on the team who was a black ace, one of the guys called from the minors just to kind of help fill role and kind of, you know, you know, get some reps in and be with the team as they run to the cup. Um, this inappropriate proposition and some basically threatening in a position of power by this Aldrich uh, guy. So the obviously some inappropriate stuff happened to uh, winds up. Now, unfortunately, we know the guy's name now because this report that came out, I kind of outed him on an important. So Kyle Beach is who it winds up being. He did an interview tonight. Uh, we're recording on the 27th uh, on TSN. So we'll have that on our, the, that interview will be on all our socials. So probably everywhere, but just please check it out. So it's, it's uh, from what I read very good. I've got a chance to check it out yet since we're recording. <laughs> So let's see. Oh, and then after this happened, this was reported by this happened to not only Kyle Beach, but another unknown player. Uh, and this was reported to all the higher ups and it worked its way up to top management. And there was a meeting of Stan Bowman, who was the GM at the time, the team president, uh, uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff, who was the assistant uh director of uh, hockey ops and also coach Joel Quenville. And according to his report, they all ignored it. And that's pretty shameful. And that's, that's being the extremely polite way of putting it. Um, a guy that I, I coached in person, hockey person, I really liked. And, and I think our friend Jeff Ponder put the most, uh, somebody I really respected and thought was one of the best ever. And I have lost all respect for Joel Quenville. I remember we talked about on this show how we wanted him on this. He yeah. basically said, let's not bring this up to the team because I don't want it to be a distraction because I don't know if the team can get this far again. Remember, it came out in this report that the team found out about this hours after winning the Western Conference Final in San Jose. There was a meeting between Quinville, Bowman. Was Wurtz in there? I believe so. Okay. And then I, I think everything. one yeah, or two like, more. Yeah. Uh, essentially, the top brass of the Blackhawks. And they were told what had happened. And the Chicago Blackhawks' official stance was it's more important to win the Stanley Cup right now than it is to do what's right. Which is shameful. And it is. Look. Let's let, let's just put all the cards on the table and be honest. You and I have both played team sports. We've both played competitive team sports. We know how incredibly hard it is to get to the apex of whatever sport you're playing. I understand the initial thought of guys were so close. We just won the West. 
let's just get through the Stanley Cup final. I understand that initial thought hours after getting off the ice. However, even if that was said, at some point over the course of that night, the flight home, or the days that followed, your conscience has to take over. Uh And you have to understand that what you're dealing with here transcends sport, transcends your job. You're dealing with, let's just be honest, criminal allegations and criminal actions. And you're dealing with something that can have long-term repercussions to the people involved, be it the victims mm-hmm. or victim in this point. I don't remember how many people. Were two, there was two. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about the hockey culture thing after your right. thought. I'll let you finish then. To minimize that, number one, if I'm the player who brought this to my team, I feel completely alienated and that my voice doesn't matter that yep. my my physical and mental health don't matter to this team my employer at all and and i don't know if i would mentally be able to suit back up for that team and um we'll talk about that in a second go ahead though but i just i'm not advocating it by any means please don't think i'm advocating this I understand why that decision was made. It was the wrong decision. Um, But like I said, I can understand why in the heat of the moment coming off of just winning the Western Conference Finals, that decision in that room was made. Why that wasn't, why no one who was in that meeting in the days that followed didn't come back around and go, guys, this ain't right. Like, I get, I get where we're at. I understand we're trying to win a Stanley Cup for the first time in what, thirty well, years at yeah, the a time? Long time. It was a long the time. Hawks. Yeah. But we're making the wrong decision. We're we are not doing what's right by our team, our players, our fans, the law, everything, everything. Yeah. To me, that's what's even more shameful than the initial decision. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to on top of that. So obviously the team's put forth, so decision was made to not bring it up at all. So basically the thing that happened is obviously the the uh, Hawks win the cup. Yep. The guy gets to celebrate with the team. His name's lot, on the cup. And his name's on the cup. And he gets to celebrate with the players that he abused. Yeah. That is – and he also got a day with the cup and everything. Imagine like – there's players, look, for example, I'll say this because this article was literally days ago. Like David Backus has an article talking about like what you have to do to win a cup. And he's talking this really great article on the athletic about you have to make yourself vulnerable and you have to be willing to like, you know, you know, like leave your heart out out there and make yourself yeah. vulnerable. And also it was a really great article and really great uh, interview. And imagine like you're a player and you never got to that point and you've been put in so many years and this asshole gets a day with the cup. And then on top, the thing that makes it even matter about everything, 
is what happened in later years is oh for sure is that for sure there's this, two this, things there's two things two and things i know where we're going and, and, and it's what you're going to say is the reason why everyone associated with this should be banned from the nhl and any type of sports involving other people especially kids for life done excommunicated Go yeah, on. for so not only after the season it was decided that the ownership obviously still knew about the allegations brought in this alderic to talk about in the offseason said you need to quit or resign mm-hmm. so he resigned and went on to get a job at a high school uh, and the reason he got the job according to there's a lot of great articles mind you go out there and look at it for katie strang um and let me look up the other guy who did all this work there's a ton there's two guy people who did um a ton of work on this and i will get their name right before i do it so as i but the blackhawks wrote him a recommendation letter that helped him get the job and that's the thing that pisses me off so bad because you knew about this and quenville knew about that and he was the one who basically flat out said he's a great character and he he, i mean he's a stanley cup champion flat out said in the and that's what makes me so mad and then on top of that why did why is i mad about that because the guy went on to abuse a teenager after that and got caught and he's in jail right now so that's that's what happened so basically that the blackhawks enabled somebody to continue a cycle of abusing people this is very similar to the jerry sandusky thing to me yeah real quick it's rick westhead please go follow rick westhead and uh katie strang on twitter yeah uh, Rick Westhead is the one who wrote, and along with Katie Strang, did all this legwork for a very long time on this and kept this relevant when uh, the NHL would not recognize this was going on. And remember, the Blackhawks flat out said during the summertime, we've concluded our investigation and we found th- all these uh, things to be meritless. These yep. claims are meritless. And then you read this 107-page thing, and it makes me so upset, so upset that you called all this meritless and you basically ruined Kyle Beach's life. They knew. And they, they knew. 100% knew. You think Penn State didn't know that for exactly. decades they had an assistant coach who had a summer camp and was fondling little kids? They knew. Joe Paterno knew. This is the problem when you have, be it professionals or big-time college schools, which might as well be professionals, because the people involved, not the players in college, but the coaches are making millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. As much as it is about winning and and doing what's right, power corrupts. And the last thing someone who has a job making that much money wants to do is lose that job. And they could have done the right thing on so many different occasions. But once you get to that point where you've decided as a entity, in this case, the Chicago Blackhawks, that you're going to let this man step down and save his dignity and double down on that and write him a letter of recommendation to be around children and minors you have no choice but to ride that lie 
as far as it goes. And I have no sympathy or empathy for anyone who's been caught up in this and lost their job. Stan Bowman was mythical status, not just in the Chicago Blackhawks organization. He was the GM of USA Hockey. Mm. His reputation, rightfully so, is going to be forever tarnished in this because at the end of the day, the buck stops with him. He was making all the decisions. He could have overridden anyone at any time and said, fellas, this ain't right. But it was more important to win that cup and not disrupt that locker room and then just let him go. We don't want the scandal even after the fact. We're right nigh. We're right nigh. We're the champs. Just tell him he has to leave. It, it, you hid and you hid a sex offender and then you helped disguise him and get him another job where he could continue his abuse. That's criminal. And I have no sympathy for him at all. And I, I don't know if you read the letter that he put out today. Oh, it's, it passes the buck. Oh, like, for sure. Well, so it was bad. my first year. And I, I, you know, I thought that my superiors would do the right thing and they didn't and had, you know, looking back on it, I shouldn't have taken for granted that my superiors shut up, shut up. You were paid to do a job. You failed at one part of your job, which is to keep people safe. Yeah. And I don't care how old they are. And it's not like you're, these are, I don't care if they're considered grown men or whatever, when something like that happens. And obviously mind you, this Brad Aldrich also said, if he basically just put it down, like he went down on the dude and said, if I did, you don't let me go down on you. Like I'm going to ruin your career. Yeah. Imagine being a 20 year old guy working your way up in an organization that's on a rise. Mind you, Chicago Blackhawks at the time were yeah. an organization on the rise. And, and your, your name's not Patrick Kane or Jonathan days. Yeah. Or Corey Crawford or Duncan right. Keith or any of those guys, you right. know, at the time. So You're a guy fighting for your role on this team. Exactly. And just awful. So, a little bit more came out uh, like this evening. So I just want to bring this up, which makes it, it doesn't make it any better or any worse. It makes it a lot worse on numerous fronts. So uh, the member today, so the Wurtz came out and said like, we are going to work on settling with both players and also the Michigan high school player that was abused because obviously you didn't stop the guy and he continued. So, uh, Blackhawks decided today, after all this came out, to file motions to dismiss the lawsuits. Of course they did. They say it's procedural and that they're they're working towards settlements. They have meetings scheduled next week to settle with everyone. Believe what you like at this point, honestly. Um, That kid, that kid should have therapy paid for for life by the Chicago Blackhawks. Whether he needs it or not, it should be made readily available to him. He should have I don't know how old he is now. He should have his college paid for by the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, And that's just the tip. That's just the tip of the iceberg. I don't think you could put enough zeros behind a check to cover the um, emotional damage and things like that that I'm sure he went through. 
but at the very least that kid's education and that kid's therapy should be taken care of by the Chicago Blackhawks. Yep. So two more things I want to bring up before we kind of start to wrap this up. So the NHL came out today and fined the Blackhawks. You think it'd be a good amount of money, right? As Chris holds up $2 million. That's all they got. So mind you, uh, do you know the New Jersey Devils got a harsher penalty for signing an illegal contract to Ilya Kovalchuk? Yeah. Oh, I know. I laughed. When when I heard what they what they fined the Blackhawks, I laughed. And they said a million dollars of it goes to help, like, uh, you know, obviously people who are sexually abused and organizations that help with that. Two million dollars to a, a franchise that's worth over a billion dollars, one of the top franchises in yeah. the NHL. Yeah. Um, this is gonna forever damage that organization. I don't care. Um I agree. I, mean, I agree. That, 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 people are saying like that 2010 team. No, this should follow them around for as long as any of those players that were on a 2010 team are on this team. Um, I believe the coach you think and the, the players knew. Uh, we'll talk about let's talk about that. I think they did because one of the things that came up. So mind you, Kyle Beach is still with the organization in 2014. This is 2010. So four years later, he's still with the team. And I'm pretty sure he's probably dealt with some uh, rumors about what happened and stuff. Uh, to the point where, I don't know if you saw this, that in the report that apparently during training camp in 2014, a player uh, player on the actual Blackhawks team, not a, like a minor league guy, an actual uh, player was following Beecher on the ice, uh, yelling at him, calling him uh, like, oh, I, can, I, yeah. I apologize I for a little, I, like I was saying, reading the language here and calling him a faggot and said, hey, did you like that BJ that that guy gave you? Oh, called, Good. Good. Uh, Followed Good. him around the ice and said that to him. So, like I said, that's on the report. So, I'm just letting everybody know. Winville is still coach, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, see, that dude should have been thrown off the ice immediately. Strike and, two. Uh, so, that player was not been named. I have my suspicions who that is. If we remember what happened <laughs> in 2016. Ooh, I don't know. Remember what, what happened in 2016 against the Blues? Remember that? Oh. Or was that 2014? Someone oh. got a little pissed off in the penalty box, said yeah. some slurs. Yep, yep, yep. The exact slur that was just used. Truth. I don't know. You guys can put that together. So that's who I think it is, but that's I'm not going to say it. So it, it rhymes with Clandrew. Clay, say Clandrew. Uh, let's how how about this? Clandrew Clodge. Let's say that his name is not Andrew Shaw. Yeah, that's that sounds better. That sounds better. But yeah, so yeah, that's my guess. I mean, the, based on what we saw in the Blues series that one year. Yeah, you're right, and that fits that fits that dude's attitude too. Yeah, hockey culture is uh not a great thing sometimes, and obviously that was something that uh that sucks, man. Because not it, only it did does. that happen to you, and then your teammates are ripping on you for being basically being abused. Like that's I mean, pretty shitty. Like I mean. That's an awful human being. Like I, I, whoever that is, I don't care if it's, if it is Patrick Kane or Andrew Shaw, or it winds up being some guy that was a PTO that year. Yeah. I don't care. That is unacceptable. And that guy should have been kicked out of the practice. He should have been released from his contract. Then I don't care who it is. Yeah. That is unacceptable. I don't care. Like that's not Razin. That's not like giving guys crap. That's not me Razin Pat, uh, Pat Maroon when we're playing floor hockey. Right. That's, no, uh, you're right. You're right. That's, that's ridiculous. You're 100% correct. Um, I, I'm going to say that this is not 
just hockey culture. This is this That's is sports, sports culture. culture. I mean, look, the NFL is going through it right now with everything that that happened with John Gruden and the emails when he was in Washington and all that, and using the exact same words to describe gay gay players and and things like that. Um, you know. It, I'm not going to sit here and say that I've never used those words in a context when I shouldn't have, because of course I had, um, you're young and you're stupid and you're not thinking, um, about what you're saying. It's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. It's just a reality. Um, and it is part of the sports culture and it's something that needs to change. Unfortunately, it seems like, Athletes don't realize that until they get out of that culture and, and see what the real world is like. Um, there's no excuse for it. You know, dude, when we played floor hockey, that was what, eight years ago at this point? Mm, yeah, I can't give it or take five, six years ago, probably, sure. honestly. Whatever. And One of you, the... that's, that's, that's in St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. At a YMCA or whatever we're at, whatever boys. Oh, Salvation Army, Salvation gym. Army gym on a random Tuesday night. The one of the first rules of the league was that any swearing or or hate speech of any kind was an automatic expulsion, not suspension, expulsion from the league. There was a dude on one of the teams. Every single game was calling people any number of ethnic slurs or sexual orientation slurs or whatever. Every game. That dude played three nights a week. And when I brought it up to the owner of, or, or commissioner, whatever you want to call him, of said league, and said, hey, man, we have a problem. Not only is this guy and his entire team pretty much a bunch of a-holes, this guy is running around calling a guy on my team an ethnic slur every shift. There are guys on other teams who I've heard and they've complained about him calling them gay slurs and ethnic slurs. Your bylaws say that he should be out of the league, done. Not out for a week, not out for a season, out forever. Don't come back. Why is he still here? Because he plays three times a week and pays you money. Yep, that's exactly right. And that's pretty much what he told us as well. And it's so. exactly what he told me. And that was the day I realized this was my last season. Yep, and I think we were quickly out after that. I think the next season we were gone. So it's like, fine, we're done. We're done with this. Um, but, so, you know. And this guy himself was part black. At I least, think. yeah, yeah, I, I think, think so. I think there so. Was, yeah, there was some ethnicity other than honky in him because he has he he yelled that quite a bit at us. I remember, so that yeah. was uh, interesting. Um, but uh, anyway, but the point is, it's it's, it's a it's, cultural it's thing, culture, which and it's got to stop. And that's why a lot of players don't you don't see and honestly you don't see a lot of players that are openly gay. That's just not no. a it, like and there's the a, NFL probably, this year has their first openly gay player. Yep. And that's a I mean, I mean, remember how big of a deal it was? And that's part of the John Gruden thing when Michael Sam got drafted, like yeah. the first openly play, gay player drafted. And then I knew it was the seventh round or whatever, but 
he still was a good player. I mean, obviously, he was a pretty good player from Mizzou back in the day. So it's something that uh, getting back to the Blackhawks, I'm glad that it's the two reporters, Rick Westhead and Katie Strang, stuck with it. I am too. And kept it wasn't buried. It never got buried. It never got buried. The NHL is talking to Joel Quinville tomorrow. Uh, I'm kind of not really thrilled that he got a coach tonight. I think they should have put on administrative leave and then talk to him tomorrow. Same with Kevin Sheffield day off and uh, in Winnipeg, they both, he's getting talked to on Monday. Um, I don't think both of those guys should have jobs either. I don't care nope. if they're a different organization. That doesn't matter. Um, I think Florida, uh, I think if, Florida, if I was Florida, I would look at it and be like, I get it. Florida is darn close to the same situation that Chicago might've been back then up and coming team have a chance to make some noise this year. Because and he literally, and the thing that pisses me off even more, Chris, Joel Quenville in his uh, press conference today is he said, I don't want to have a team. Uh, I'll talk with Bettman tomorrow, but I just don't want to make any distractions for the team. How fitting was that he said that? Mm-hmm. That's the same language he used mm-hmm. in that group circle in 2010. I'm telling you. People, it, it, people were sitting there like, you got to be kidding me. This dude literally just said the same goddamn thing. Very different circumstances in this case, but but I get it. The irony is not lost. Oh yeah, that's the killer, it's, dude. It, it's 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 a it's a hard situation to talk about, but it, I'm glad that uh, Kyle Beach came out and had a you know and decided to cooperate. There's 139 people that were uh, interviewed, and let's not forget. There's 37 people who refused to cooperate and didn't want to be interviewed for this thing. So there's guys covering it up, plain and simple. Um, maybe not all 37 of those guys, maybe somewhere like guys that just weren't there. I don't know. But you got to think out of the 37, there's probably some guys that knew what happened and didn't want to say anything. Well, clearly, if he was being chased around the ice and asked about it. Yep. People knew. I mean, 2014 is four years after it happened. Um. So I just want to say this at the end, just to wrap, to wrap this up and just something I just put, I'll put out there on the socials as well. Uh, there's an organization called Rain out there, which is uh, mm-hmm. Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network. Um, so if you are, you know, have been sexually assaulted and feel like you can't talk to somebody, they have a chat they have on their website. It's rainn.org. Um, they have a chat there. And also their phone number is 1-800-656-HOPE. So it's uh, 24-7, free and confidential. So if you feel like you need to talk to somebody, please give them a call. That's the RAIN organization. So I just wanted to put that at the end uh, since we're talking a very serious subject. And if I can, if I can add to that, um, even if you personally are not the victim, I if know you know somebody. someone who's been the victim, um, speak up. You know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of shame that victims feel. And that's exactly what Kyle Beach said. And if you're lucky enough to um, to be trusted with someone to tell you that, they may be looking for you to help save them and for you to be their voice because they're scared to. Um, encourage them to speak up. And if they don't want to, there's ways to out that person without the exposing the victim. Yep. 
Yeah, I know um, today was the, with that report, it kind of happened and with Kyle Beach, and he kind of felt he had to. But I mean, he didn't even have to. He could have just, people could have sure. just been whispers online and just always said it was him. And then nobody ever, you know, obviously no news organization is going to out. If they do, they're, it's a huge lawsuit. Yeah. Um, but he could have kept silent as well. But he decided to come forward. He said he felt vindicated. So um, good, good I'm for him. That, I'm glad that somebody got so hopefully justice. And um, I don't know if you can get closure on something like this, but hopefully a step in the right direction for him and reconciling what happened to him. So sure. Um, I know very serious subject there. We talk about, we'd like, as we usually have fun on here, but I thought that was very important to have. It is so, very important. So uh, we'll wrap it up there and uh, get to it the socials. So if you want to get hold of us on Twitter, it's at blues hockey, NHL um, at Hossapalooza. Uh, if you want to find us on Facebook and Twitter, it's a look at blues hockey podcast. Also our website is blues hockey podcast.net or.com. Uh, on there, you can find a ton of stuff. You can find where you can download the podcast, which is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, Audible, um, Pocket Cast, all the other good. Any, uh, anywhere you can find uh, your podcast, go ahead and do it. Uh, remember to rate and review us as well on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can rate and review us, really. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. On the website, uh, you have the merchandise tab. We have some merch up there. Working on getting some stuff, um, some little cool stuff, I think. I think we're going to work on some koozies. I think, Chris, you have one of those. I do. So we're going to work on getting those up on the website uh, sold or at least get them on the uh, socials for people to see if they would like, like them. They're pretty cool. So uh, next thing is, is our sponsors. So first off, we'll talk about Rockstar Taco. First off, Rockstar Taco at the Gaslight. So uh, we had fun on saturday and their official opening is coming up really soon so 4916 shaw uh check them out on facebook and that's where they're gonna start posting all their specials when they get up and running here um every tuesday night which we just found out uh, uh let's say a tuesday night what's the two music trivia so i am game for that i'm so, in on that so Music trivia is all, yeah, we always do. We used to do a ton back in the day, and we were pretty halfway decent at it, I think. I have my usual. What's my, my, uh, mine is the random song slash um, hip hop song. If there's some song. garbage ass early 2000s, late 90s hip hop song, Jason's going to pull it out of his ass. That's correct. I'm really good at that somehow, as evidenced by my Spotify playlist I showed Chris on Saturday. So, indeed. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead and check Gaslight. Uh, Excuse me, Rockstar Taco Gaslight. It's late. I haven't much sleep. And uh, let's see what we got next here. So Lucky Lola's, check them out on Instagram and Facebook. You can find all of their stuff at not only their website, but also Kenrick's. And uh, Fresh Time has their uh, jalapeno sweet heat and their brats and a bunch of stuff. So go ahead and check those out. Also, Schnooks has a bunch of their stuff as well. So for the brats, those are just Fresh Time and Kenrick's. So last but not least, DraftKings. DraftKings used to go THPN today to get your bonus when you sign up today. And you, with NHL kicking in the gear, you have the NBA kicking in the gear. You have the, now I believe it's the Braves and Astros in the World Series. And Braves, game two tonight. Game two is tonight. Uh, Braves won last night. So maybe you want to bet on the game. Go ahead and use the code THPN when you sign up for DraftKings today to get a bonus uh, using the code The Hockey Podcast. So I'm about to do it for us this week. Blue's got some games coming up, minus Ryan O'Reilly. We'll see how they can do. Uh, I don't know. So kind of interesting. Like I said, uh, kind of a tale of two shows this week. So some positive stuff for the Blues and then some uh, very serious stuff that happened around the NHL. So 
thanks everybody for listening. I hope everybody really got something out of this episode, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you.